This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 158. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what it says it is in the title, folks. It's a show where we look at everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books and authors, epic fantasies, urban fantasies. Uh, We look at military sci-fi, dystopian sci-fi. I mean, basically any kind of sci-fi or fantasy is fair game for this episode for this show so you can find something fun to read and we will bring you the best and brightest authors from all those corners of the book world to come here and chat with me and ultimately with you. Okay, let's jump into my writing update this week. I am now working hard on a pair of short stories set in my extreme medical services world. Um, As you probably remember, I just finished up the first draft of The Paramedic's Sorceress, which is book nine in that series. But um, I was invited to participate in a couple of anthologies coming out later this spring. And, And as a result of that, I've written two new short stories in the extreme medical services world that will appear there. So I'm excited to share that with you, and and we'll have more information on that. So you want to stay tuned here to the podcast for updates on that. Of course, you can always find out what I'm up to over at my reader group on Facebook. That's Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. Come join the group and get access to sneak peeks of upcoming covers, special giveaways every month, and a lot more. So uh, join the group and come by and visit us at Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. Okay, let's jump into this week's special guest author, Carrie Brown. Carrie was born in Tennessee and raised in the Chicagoland area. She now lives in a small farming community with her husband and children and enjoys snow days because they validate her desire to be a homebody. I chat with Carrie about her books from the Origo series and about how she fits her storytelling in with her busy home life and duties. Check it out. Hi, Carrie. It's great to have you here on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So why don't you introduce yourself to the readers out there that are listening? Um, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, um, comes out different every time because I never really prepare for this question. Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm a mother of seven. I live a couple hours south of Chicago. Uh, we kind of live out in the middle of nowhere, so it's a little tiny town, not a whole lot going on, lots of time to sit and stare at the walls, so I decided to start writing books, and my my husband encouraged me, and, um, and before I knew it, I had written two of them, so uh, kind of an adventure I didn't expect to take, and it's it's going quite well. That's awesome. What kind of things or writers or um, books have inspired you? Um, well, I guess it was actually teachers who inspired me. My sixth grade teacher, uh, Miss Kresick, was um, she she introduced us to creative writing, and I never really took to the writing part, but I took to the creative part. I like to. I like to to come up with stories and stuff, but usually it was verbal. Um, and uh, and a big thing that we looked at 
during that that year was mythology and it just grabbed me it grabbed me tight it was the first literary interest that i had and it remains my strongest so um i became interested in it and i liked how you could have the same god in two different um mythologies and the differences between them and so i decided i wanted to have a world where there was Another one of the same one with a parallel story that's got its own little differences. And that's kind of how Origo was born. That's awesome. I, I really found the love for mythology early on as well. And uh, it's definitely influenced my writing later on, um, giving me, you know, and you're such a rich pantheon of, of different different stories to tell when you're rooted in mythology um, and, and just kind of the, it seems like a lot of basic story styles all spring out from that, that old storytelling that must've happened to create the mythology that, that have represented different cultures around the world. It's like Eve to, uh, to mankind had, you know, mythology is kind of like a, kind of like the beginning of storytelling. It seems like. Well, and, and it gave, gave people an excuse to come up with a, a reason for why the sun came up and, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, they had an answer for everything. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the, um, the story, um, Origo, um, book one, Son of Darkness. Um, I know that's out, and you've got another one coming up following it soon. Yes. So um, in Origo, Son of Darkness... Um, it starts off with uh, a couple of dragons who are just kind of, kind of hanging out in the in the woods in the fall, you know, sleeping and just hunting, doing what they want, just kind of lounging, like camping. And uh, these these dragons are not winged dragons; they're they're more Asian inspired. So they, um, you know, they've got those real long dragons. Um, that have no wings. These are kind of like that. They're a little shorter, but they're, um, they're hanging out and they stumble upon a, a village being ransacked and find themselves in custody of a newborn without parents. And so they decide to raise this newborn and they start noticing that he's, his, his life is matching up with the prophecy of, of a dark child who's supposed to grow and destroy their world. And they don't want to believe it because, you know, they believe that they can change his fate if they raise him right. So it's very nurture versus nature. And the planet that they live on is, you know, dragons are the dominant species. They have a council, they have a government. Um, they're not just beasts to be uh, ridden or, running around terrorizing villages they're in they're a community and they um they have other creatures on this planet that kind of line up with the mythologies that we've all grown to love over the years and he's he's raised there in an effort to grow to be a good man but every time he takes a step in the right direction something pulls him back so i try to keep the reader wondering no, it's it's that that you know that character that's torn between two sides of themselves that can really make for an, uh, a a compelling story. 
Yes, definitely. And the psychology of it, whether you can really change something if it's if it's written in stone. And who writes it in stone? How come it can't be changed? If if if, uh, if I can control my hand to scratch my nose and then I know I don't have an itch anymore, I did that, you know, and I chose to do that. It, it's hard to believe that everything is written and can't be changed. So that that's kind of the um, part of the theme to it. And the other part is is whether nurture can outdo nature. If, if your nature truly is dark, um, can you be raised out of it? Can you be raised to be good? Um, and the, the catch line to the book is we all have darkness in us. It's what we do with it that matters. So it's all subjective, and, and I have a little bit of fun with that. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like it. Um, and it's interesting. I know you, you mentioned you're a parent. I mean, you know, I have three kids and they're all very different personalities. But having grown up in the same house, there are some things that they share um, in how they interact with others and, and the expectations of what they're to do when certain situations arise. Um, you know, and I think that it's, it's an important story to tell that, you know, that there's you know, maybe destiny isn't such a, such a firm set thing. Right. Right. Uh, we all have different genes in us. We have ancestors who did things that, that they may not have been proud of or that we may not be proud of, but it doesn't define who we are and who we can become, uh, what's passed down to us. And it, it actually touches a little bit on blended families as well, because this is a boy a human child being raised by a family of dragons. And these are shapeshifters. Um, so they can take human form. Uh, they can only take one form besides dragons. Some can take a human form. Some can take a wolf form. Just depends on what they were born as. And uh, so he's being, he's being raised by dragons. He's a human and other, others, uh, species come in. And so it's kind of, kind of like a mixed family adoption. Um, there's a lot of underlying essences there that, uh, that some readers have picked up on. I like that you chose a, a, an Asian representation of dragons. Um, it's not something you often see, um, people are so often drawn to the Western version of, of dragons and, 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 fantasy stories. Um, so I always am intrigued what drew you to, you know, certain authors have gone in that direction. What drew you to choosing those particular forms of dragons to, to represent your story? Well, my, my father actually went to um, Hong Kong during the Korean War and uh, returned there later to become an acupuncture doctor and graduated in 74 and he would tell me about some of that stuff. And there was there was a lot to do with the key. And the more I read about the key in Asian culture, it's it's an essence, it's a power, it's 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 your inside strength. And it in a way it's in some in some ways you can say it's your soul. And that was that that plays a, a pivot it plays a vital role in these dragons with it's it's a scale on their chest that is the key. And if they lose that, they, they lose all their dragon abilities. And so I was already leaning in the Asian direction with it. And 
they've just always seemed so much more graceful and um, just uh, more graceful. They're, they're smarter. With the winged dragons, you always see that they're either a pet or they're a nuisance. And, uh, well, I didn't want to drop into those stereotypes. So uh, since it was already going in that direction, I just kind of welcomed it with open arms. <laughs> no, it's great. It's good to hear. Um, yeah, I just I always try to kind of suss out what, what the reasons for some choices, uh, creative choices that authors make, um, because it's, it's part of the richness of their stories. Right, right. The reason behind it is a story in itself. So you have um, a second book coming soon, um, The uh, Daughter of Light. Uh, how many books do you foresee happening in this particular saga? I'm hoping that it'll be three um, because what's left of the story, it feels like it's an awkward amount that could be two books that are just slightly longer than novella or one that is a little too long to want to print as, as a single book. But I'm hoping I can work it down into three. Um, Daughter of Light picks up with um, Jack, the main character from the first book. He He's grown. But we're still on the edge of our seat as to whether he's overcome his darkness and it comes to it. It comes to be known that his little sister, who's also adopted, um, is the daughter of light. The his his opposite in the prophecy, and one of the comforts that they that they held on to was well, the son of darkness can't do much without the daughter of light. Well, now they have both, and not only do they have both, but these are two that are supposed to go against each other, and they love each other. Um, they're, they're a very loyal family. So it, it continues down that path and keeps us guessing what's going to happen. Um, is he, is he going to eventually turn dark? This is where we, uh, we get closer and closer to the prophecy happening. And, and now I'm rambling. Boy. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and, and I actually, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, one of my favorite things to do in, in a story is, you know, have it set up that, you know, that the protagonist has to do something, has to, has to do a specific thing that is set out for them ahead of time. Um, and I always enjoy getting them to the, the climactic moment and having them choose, you know, you must choose A or B and having my character <laughs> say, ha ha, I'm choosing C. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I'm a total pantser, definitely. And I I never would have imagined anything that had happened. You know, book one was in my head for 20 years, but I didn't imagine any of book two until I started writing it. So I'm just as anxious to find out as everybody else. <laughs> That's the joy of writing, though, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> negotiating with them for something better down the line is always the best. I have a little rock golem. I have, I occasionally have to throw him some bacon or some beef jerky or he won't do anything that I tell him to do. He's, he's just, he's like Joe Pesci in rock form. (laughs) That's great. Um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, that, that, you know, as a pantser, you, you, you kind of find the story, um, 
what's you know you said the story the original book was in your mind kind of rattling around and i had the same thing happen with my first book it had been a, something that had been kind of working around my brain in different forms um for for years um <laughs> but you but there were still some things that i discovered in that story that i hadn't expected did you find that to be the, the case for you as well definitely um, my character, Mikey, was always supposed to be a green troll with uh, with green skin and, and like beards on his knees and uh, beards on his elbows. Well, beards, you know, something that kind of looks like it and uh, and a big messy green hair on top of his head. And and it never even went that way. He's totally human. He's. <laughs> He's from Tennessee and was partially raised in Chicago and falls back in time. I didn't see any of that happening. Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> in fact, I I knew that there was going to be a sister, but I had no idea she was going to be the other the other side of the prophecy. I guess I I got a lot further than I thought I did until I started writing, and then I realized that it all condensed down to be very just the very beginning of the story. And here I thought it was the whole thing. <laughs> well, and, and it sounds like you're exploring some, some really deep, you know, deep, I, I want to say concepts because, um, you know, the, the, the son of darkness and the daughter of light are really, you know, could be considered two sides of the same coin. So it almost makes sense that they would spring from a, the same source, you know? Yes. And, and when you think about it in that term, in those terms, um, you know, and I'm, I don't want you to give anything away, but I, I can imagine, you know, that for the same reason that the son of darkness has to make constant choices to choose not darkness, um, the, the daughter of light has the option to choose darkness, too. Right. Right. And the catchphrase for book two is that innocence can sometimes be cruel. Um you know, darkness, we all have darkness in us. It's what we do with it that matters. It, it, it indicates that a dark person can still be a good person. And in book two, innocence can sometimes be cruel. You know, when when a baby walks up and, well, not a baby baby, but a toddler walks up and sees something good that it's on your plate and decides that that toddler just decides that it wants to eat that and it takes it. Toddler is still innocent, but you know, innocence can sometimes be cruel. It, it doesn't make it any less um, less of an issue that you 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 lost whatever it was that you were going to eat. Of course, most of us as parents don't care, but you know the the idea is there. A, a crocodile that that grabs a gazelle isn't evil. It's innocent, but it doesn't make it any less cruel. That's that's very profound, and and. Um... I think that, you know, it's one of the things that that stories provide for people is a way to explore aspects of themselves in a safe way. Yeah, it can be, Uh, you know, but as you were saying, the, the, the two can be the opposites of the same coin. But I see that, honestly, I see it as being kind of that 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 is how a lot of stories are you've got your good and you've got your evil but all good things really come in threes don't they when you've got two you can have balance but when you've got three you can have power the triangle is actually the most powerful shape 
in existence, the equal equal triangle can hold more weight than any other a box or a rectangle or any other shape. It's it's um, and the triangle can represent power in a lot of ways. Look at the pyramids. So what if it's not just dark and light? What if there's a third? And I'm 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 hinting at that because maybe there is. <laughs> Um, a third. We we find out more about that in book two. Oh, it sounds fascinating. I, I'm sure people will be looking forward to that. Um, what's the release plan for um, book two, um, The Daughter of Light? Well, the original release plan was to release it back in September of 2020, and that didn't happen. Um, I, I, I've fallen way behind schedule, but I have finally gotten it very, very close to where I want it to be. And I'm I'm hoping to have it out before it's a year old. I finished writing it on May 1st of last year. So right now my goal, my hope, is to have it released before it's a year old. <laughs> Fantastic. So people will have something to look forward to rel- relatively soon, and um, they can dig into Son of Darkness now. Um Last question for you as we kind of get close to wrapping up here. Um, sure. You know, we, we obviously don't, aren't going to cons and doing that kind of writerly stuff right now um, with everything going on, but we still um, strive to interact with readers. Um, what's your preferred way of catching up with folks? Well, um, I was up until recently, this, this weekend, this week is my last, um, my last show. But I was doing a show for other authors so that they could come on and uh, talk about their work. And I was networking through that so that, you know, it, it occasionally gave me opportunities to, to relate based on my writing. So my writing would occasionally be brought up, but it was to spotlight others. And um, that, that made me more comfortable with the camera. And so I recently started a group um, it's called Origo Now on Facebook, and I've done a live read. I was a little nervous, but it went well. And so I guess I'm just putting myself out there is, is how I'm trying to connect with readers. I think that was your question. Is that? No, it is. It is. Um, you know, okay. everybody's <laughs> doing different things nowadays and, and choosing different platforms. Some, some authors are really connecting on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or, you know, some have YouTube channels. So I always try to ask, you know, so people know where they can go and look for you. Um, I know you have your website, um, oregonow.com. And- right. And the, the last video that I, um, that I'm doing all seven of them are in a group called writers, readers, and general tomfoolery. I'm I'm not doing the videos anymore, but the posts, the ones that I've done will stay. So if anyone wants to check them out, they'll be there. Excellent. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for coming on the books and authors, fantasy and sci-fi podcast. It, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and best of luck with your upcoming book two, uh, in the series. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to get it finished and out for the readers very soon. Yes, I hope so, too. Thank you for having me on the show. It was a pleasure.
And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Make sure you catch up with us for a whole lot more from the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Focus community, both on Facebook and over at fantasy-focus.com. While you're either on the Facebook group or on the website, leave an episode comment and I'd get back to you. I'll let you know um, what I've been doing and I want to hear what you have on your mind as well. Also on the website, you can also subscribe to the show. So don't forget to do that, whether it's on iOS or Android, even by email. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including our very next episode with special guest A.R. Harlow on the show. You won't want to miss my chat with her. That's it for this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over in my Facebook group, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, or at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com. Whatever you do, subscribe and come back here for the next podcast. And in the meantime, I'm reminding you to keep your eyes open, folks, because there's magic all around you.